All right, everybody. <laughs> you can hear that giggling and creaking in the background. I'm trying to keep my fiance quiet for 15 seconds to record this, and she refuses. She's eaten the loudest snacks I've ever heard. But that's honestly a pretty, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a pretty good segue into this episode. Um, this episode was fraught with technical difficulties, scheduling stuff. So it ended up just being me, Dallas. And Kyle Starks chatting for an hour. We lost about a minute of it. Minute of it. Wow, minute of it there in the middle. And so you'll hear me being like, "Can you hear me? Can Can you hear me?" He could hear me. And then it picks up kind of mid sentence. But I promise it's great. And I promise you're gonna love it. So thanks so much for being understanding. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back next week with an interview for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Bye. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit for, I mean, we've talked about a number of your books, but just for anyone that might not be familiar. Uh, Sure. I'm Kyle Starks. I make comic books. I've been twice nominated for an Eisner, which is like the Oscar of comics for best humor publication with my books from Image, Sex Castle, and Rock Andy Mountain. Uh, I'm probably best known for having written and occasionally drawn Rick and Morty for the last four years. Uh, I did Mars Attacks recently. I did Assassination recently. You guys talked about Assassination, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Skybound, I've been doing this for a little bit. Uh, and that's me. I live in Southern Indiana. I have two girls and a beautiful wife and three dogs. Good story. Good yeah, stuff. That's awesome. Um, so I'm not, I've come across your work in within the last year i wasn't super familiar with it before um how did you get your start in comics yeah i got a i got an all right origin story i think um <laughs> i uh I, I worked at a comic book store and when i was a teenager for a long time as a comic book store slash video rental store slash used books and records and pornography store it was <laughs> a lot uh but we had a lot of free access to all sorts of mediums and whatnot the thing that's interesting about the 90s and comics is that they were terrible um yeah, so i was a huge fan true. i was a huge fan up until then uh and i was, I was kind of fine walking away from it uh and going to college to be a fine artist i was going to be a, a painter that did not work out i became an alcoholic uh okay. so i sort of <laughs> drank and I, I got a normie job i worked for a bunch of newspapers for a while uh doing what they call production art basically and i did not oh hello about yeah yeah can you hear me i don't know did you i lost you what hello hello check 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 can you guys hear me I didn't advertise it. I didn't do anything. Um, it's called Rookie Thunder. It's about a wrestler who found out that wrestling is not real and then was forced to defend the earth from alien invasion. <laughs> um, and it was found by uh, a, a now defunct website. And they suddenly lots of people were looking at my work and lots of people were liking my work. Uh, and I found I really enjoyed doing it. So I did that book. I did a Kickstarter. I went to a couple conventions. Uh, I did another book, which was Sex Castle. I kickstarted it. I went to a bunch of conventions. 
Uh, Matt Fraction read the book and asked me if I wanted to talk to Image, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I didn't mess around with comics or anything for a solid 15 years, I'd say, if not longer. It was not planned. Uh, but I did Sex Castle, got nominated for awards, got optioned by the Russo brothers and the Workaholics. Uh, Oni asked me if I went to Rick and Morty. I was a big, I'm a big Dan Harmon fan, so I love Rick and Morty. It's, that's mm-hmm. it. The comics ever since. It's really all I want to do. Uh, and I've been super lucky to only do what I wanted to do to date. And I'd like to keep it that way if at all possible. But yeah, that's so. that's super cool. That's that seems like a more streamlined story than some other people have. That's really, really cool. I think a lot of people, you know, like they had the goal of it. See, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of <laughs> fell into it. But once I started making like when I did Ricky Thunder, I was always doing like I did a bunch of mini comics. Uh, I it's just the media that I prefer, man. I really, as especially because I'm a cartoonist primarily, um, you know, my first Sex Castle, Kill Them All, Rock Candy Man. I mean, I was writing and drawing everything to begin with. Um, I know my writing stronger than my art, but it's, it's like it's I really love making comics, man. Yeah, that's that is super cool. So do you feel like when you're making your comics do the scripts with the writing come first or do you tend to lay out the panels and draw it first? Um, so the way that I make comics for myself, which is different than how I do it for other people, because mm-hmm. obviously they have to have scripts. It's required. Uh, <laughs> is different though. The beginning process is the same in which I walk around a lot and I stare at the walls and I tell myself the stories and I try to improve them and I tell them over and over and over until they are right are as right as time will allow, which is where I'm at now. It used to be I just thought about them all the time at my old job. I tell myself these stories until they were perfect. And what I do for me, I then just start drawing the book. Um, I don't write a script for myself. I don't plan much farther than the beats that I have and maybe some bits. Um, But since I do a lot of comedy and action, I feel like those things, for the most part, they work better if they're very organic. If I'm doing a scene and it makes me laugh in that moment, it'll make someone else laugh. When I'm doing action, aside from beats, I mean, because, you know, I don't do action for action's sake. There's there's uh-huh. storytelling in that, too, which is why I like to do a lot of full choreography, which eats up a lot of real estate. But it's the same. It's like I wanted, wanted to have an energy to it that's not choreographed per se. Um, so I don't write scripts for myself. I don't recommend that to anyone. Uh, I know some people who've tried and they're like, hey, look what I did. I'm like, yeah, you should have done like three drafts on this. Um, so it's not for everybody. But yeah, I don't write scripts for myself. I don't do thumbnails. I just kind of go at it and know. I, I kind of write for page turns, which is the odd number of pages because of reveals. Um, mm-hmm. I really like to write to those. But pacing is, pacing is everything in comedy and action and horror. Not that I've done horror, but it's the same idea, especially in comics. You have to pace it. So I think it's tough to to really write. I feel like, and that's why I feel like the stuff I've drawn, my own stuff is generally stronger because of the energy it has because of that. Um, but I'm working on it. We're, writing for other people is challenging when you've only ever written for yourself. And that artist knows exactly what it's supposed to look like, you know? Like, I never have to be like, hey, Kyle. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure you did the scene exactly right. Like, Kyle always gets it. It doesn't look... <laughs> Like I'd I'd rather it be Eric Henderson, of course. Like her shit's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope I can curse like this did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, like I wish I was a better artist. I don't know. I could, but I'm my writing's my strength. I know that. I'm in a point where now I'm primarily being asked to write. So I'm trying to find that same sort of 
energy because when you're writing you don't have the page real estate looking at you and like i just i was actually just looking because you said we were talking about sex castle i thought which i haven't looked at for a while and you know i have like 14 panel pages in there pretty common and there's a five by eight that's not a six by nine you know that's a smaller book i really mm-hmm. hesitate to have other people do as much work as i'm willing to do and that sort of affects the energy and pacing of things too uh i'm doing all right i'm doing okay doing the best i can yeah i'd say you're doing pretty well we enjoy your stuff a lot um do you feel like you're able to convey like your jokes and the timing that you're talking about better through the dialogue and the writing of the story or do you feel like the visual storytelling is what really sells your jokes i i think there's i mean it's it's comic, so it's it's literally both. Um, yeah. I I when I was in college, uh, I won a, a playwriting contest. Um, I'm a real dialogue guy, so I tend to write dialogue first, and I tend to write bits around that dialogue. But when I'm cartooning, I do a lot more visual jokes because I'm there in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a big fan of of like beat takes where someone will say something and then you'll repeat the panel with nothing except for the second character in that scene looking like, what the hell is that? And then a third one where they then do a punchline. Cause I think those sort of beats, I think visually they make those dialogue jokes land better. Um, I, my thing is like, whenever I see people who do just a bunch of visual gags, it feels like that's what all it feels like to me. It feels like, it feels like a gag strip. And I, I don't think gag strips are personally funny. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't have interest in that. I have interest in funny situations and people saying funny things and, funny things happening though probably that last one is the least common in my stuff i'd like it to improve i think when i draw that stuff happens a lot more but when you're writing for someone i'm always thinking about well like exposition so important i'm doing a lot of flop i'm doing a lot of monthly books and mm-hmm. i'm finding like the pacing of them is not my favorite because if i do a fight sequence i like for it to be four pages well that's one fifth of the book is gone you know uh and it's the same, like I set up a bit, it's four pages. So everything goes pretty quick and then I have to wrap it up and it makes exposition uh, a little unnatural because of just the space. Um, the really the solution is, you know, Mr. Starks, you should uh, change how you do things for monthly books. And that's correct. <laughs> um, but I feel like the things that makes my stuff different than everyone else's is, is these sort of dialogue interactions and the fight sequences. And they take space, like it takes space for it to feel like a Kyle Starks book. Um, but again, I'm I'm learning. Like I'm, the floppy stuff is relatively new outside of Rick and Morty, which is one issue one issue and done. Uh, it's really easy to do if you're not trying to do uh, arcs or you know character reveals four issues later and that type of thing. Um, I think I answered that question. Yeah, <laughs> I no, I, I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I like I write I always write dialogue first because my thing is uh, always is that my stuff is always character driven first. Are my characters interesting to me? Um, generally that means by their inception they will be prone to things that amuse me or interest me um, I have a, the book I'm working on right now which I'm doing with uh, Chris Schweitzer who's my best friend who drew uh, did all the art for Mars Attacks with me which is a great book if you don't like Mars Attacks I highly recommend it I think it's my third best book um, we're doing a book for Skybound and it's about six characters uh, also I'm learning not to do ensemble books they're not my favorite but you know, there's six characters and these six characters have to interest me in some way. And, you know, maybe one of those characters is just sort of a couple throwaway gags over and over and over, which is sort of one dimensional. But I also think it's very sort of like uh, like a uh, like a manga archetype to have characters that just do one or two things. 
uh-huh. that I find amusing because I'm I'm trying to do more manga stuff. Like I'm old, uh, I'm old, and I'm trying to catch up. Uh, so it's like things like that. Like that's really interesting to me. Like is that character maybe a little bit thin, and I probably should have done four characters instead of six characters. Sure, but I like that character, and I like what he brings in some way over the course of all the issues. So for me, it's always character driven. Uh, like there's an event, and then there's the characters who suffer that event. Um, I'm I'm also like I said, I'm trying to think more visually on behalf of other people of doing more like, oh, these things should happen rather than this is the thing that happens and the characters go through it. Um, but that's mixing it up, man. That's just variety. That's just my, pro- I'm just talking, I'm just talking about my stuff. <laughs> that's, that's why we're having you on. They don't want to hear me talk about my stuff. They want to hear about you. But um, I guess my question, because I would agree the strength that I see in your books while reading clearly is the character work. It's something we've talked about on both Rock Candy Mountain and Assassination. How do you feel like your character work has evolved from your early work on things like Sex Castle to more recent work like Assassination or what you're currently working on? Um, I've done so many now. I don't know if I have a good answer. I know when I... So I used to get asked a lot. It's been three years now, I think, when I Rock Candy Mountain came out, I was like, oh, what's the difference between Rock Candy Mountain and Sex Castle? And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, Jackson in Rock Candy Mountain is likable. Um, Sex Castle is funny, and he seems cool, but he's kind of not, he, there's not, at no point is he, I mean, he, I guess he gives some pretty good advice, but, like, Jackson is likable. Um, yeah. And they're just different stories, you know? It's not, it's less about how I change the characters, because it's always, how can I make this character interesting? I'm sure I try to add things, but, you know, like I said, I just reread Sex Castle, and it's like, man, those are these are fully formed characters. Like, I did pretty good. Sex Castle is my favorite book. Rock Candy Mountain is my second favorite book. Because I look at them, I can reread them, and I don't go, oh, man, I wish I would have done this different. I wish I could have done, I wish I would have added this in or blah, blah, blah. Like, to me, they're near perfect. Um, and that's tough for a writer. And Assassination has characters I really love in it. Um, but, like, I, I know in that process, like, uh, I didn't get to do as many pages as I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I had 10 more pages of story plan for that book that didn't really happen. So that's what I see when I look at Assassination, though. I like I if I was going to make a list of all my characters like fucking Dave would be super hot there. <laughs> um, yeah. I, shit, shit, Fernando. I mean, you know, Fernando is like such a throwaway thing that we did in Assassination. But I was doing this bit where we were promoting Assassination and people were like, oh, who's your favorite character you made? Who's the best character? You know, your favorite character in this book? I'd be like, oh, Fernando's my best. You know, spoilers. Like he dies at the end of issue one. I was like, man, I love Fer- I love Fernando in his like five pages of existence. Uh, he's such like a he's so clearly he's clearly what he is supposed to be. Um, so I don't think I don't know. It's like you know you try to do more like you you try to do you try to make him a little bit more full. But it also varies per book. Like you know if you're do- if I'm doing assassination, um, like I think fucking Dave are pretty clear. Smoke lost uh, she lost so much stuff. It's it's kind of she had a whole arc that almost like kind of didn't even make it in. Um, but I was like, you add a little bit more, like there's a little bit more nuance with nuance, but I don't feel like I'd be like, Oh man, there's so much more going on with fuck than sex castle. Uh, Cause I don't think that's true, but it's also an ensemble book. So ensemble books are tough because you're trying to get X number of characters uh, equal screen time. So they all feel valued in the same way though. In assassination, a lot of that was misdirect cause I was just killing everybody. Uh but I think everyone got their moments in that. So I don't know. I think it's the same. You know, I just I'm always trying to sort of look at different like subtext and themes. Um, Assassination's funny because it has less of them, 
but it ended up being, I think, more about friendship than Rock Candy Mountain was, which uh, I thought was a theme that I wanted to talk about, uh, is about being, you know, uh, two different people and two different types, how we'd all sort of get along, and, like, one person's driven to the point where they sort of walk on the other person, uh, but Jackson's learning despite himself, uh, whereas Assassination in the end isn't 100% about friendship. This new book is absolutely about friendship, too, uh, friendship and loneliness, and it's like, that's more like this. So what's the themes, and how do these characters sort of play into these themes and still remain interesting to me with them being interesting to me is number one. Uh, Cause like I said about the comedy, like if I, if, if I think they're interesting, I assume if I do my job correctly and I present them fully, like, you know, other people will be like, that's a good character. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping for, for character driven things. It only makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting. What you're saying about having to leave things out with assassination that you wish could have been there. Do you feel like yeah. were you to do that project again, more of like an original graphic novel like you did with Sex Castle instead I, of no, the monthly I, floppies? I, it's, you know, it's inter- comics are in such an interesting place right now. I actually tweeted this out. Yeah, I did a poll because um, I have an idea for a book and I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out what the best way to present it is because I don't think floppies would be perfect. It's interesting. So I put up a poll and I'm like, hey, you know, if you guys know, because I, I only I'm only doing miniseries. I'm not. The comics market for Kyle Starks is not, hey, guys, I have a new book. It's going to go. It's going to go until you guys stop buying it. Right. That's mm-hmm. eight issues. Like I've, it's been proven. <laughs> it's eight issues uh, unless <laughs> it's Rick and Morty, which is wildly popular. And then it goes on for forever. But the market's thrown. is like I'm not people lose interest after a certain issue unless, you know, you're approved, unless you're Brian K. Vaughn or uh, uh, Rob Guillory, apparently. Um you know, you, these guys get the opportunity to do their books that go on for a long time, but my market's not. And I found, you know, 100 to 200 pages is sort of the sweet spot for me. Um, floppies are, it's, I, I think, okay, anyway, so I tweeted out, I'm like, if you know something's going to be a miniseries, would you rather trade weight? I would. I would trade weight. That's why I'm asking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I for sure would, because I don't want floppies. They go into a box somewhere. You never look at them. Um, I'm not a collecting, I don't collect anything, period. Um so, like, I don't have that sort of, like, man, I wish I had those things. So there, you know, we do things in comics now. We put back matter in these miniseries that won't be in that trade, right? So to sort of promote, like, hey, uh, we did this cool thing. Assassination had interviews uh, with the hitmen in the back. Uh, it also had, like, an update of the um, of the top 20 that changed each issue that's not in the trade. I wish it was, but uh, it's not. That's fine. Uh but yeah, I think so. I, I've always thought cinematically, like I enjoy I enjoy sitting down for two hours rather than binge watching something for two hours um, because of the breaks. Right. Because of the, the format mm-hmm. of the story. It's like, oh, you watch a show and it's a series of ends. It's a it's a series of ends and new beginnings. Whereas I like something to be like, here's a malleable space and you tell your story. Um, I think optimally I would only do graphic novels, though the money's different and weird. And kind of something that I learned pretty interesting, I thought, from this sort of poll that I did is a lot of people were like, um, oh, like I'd buy the floppies or I'll buy the first issue of the floppy. I won't buy an OGN just blindly. So like if if you go straight to OGN, the people who won't people won't just risk the twenty dollars, basically. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really interesting um, because I would rather have a trade. I'd rather have the whole I'd rather have an entire story at once. But also I feel like. I don't know. It's like we're all comic book people. Like, are we not listening to each other? Like someone says, hey, this thing's good. Whether or not you read one issue of it, 
Like, I don't know. It seems weird. Um, but I'm trying to figure it out. I, I prefer OGN-style storytelling. I'm trying to work in this other format because it is good It is good promotion for trades, and that's good for sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer – I definitely prefer – like, I just did Old Head. Um, I just did Old Head for Kickstarter, which was 120-something pages. And that was a book I wanted to do a long time ago. So the, I only saw it in this one format, right? Um, but I finished that book, and Chris Weitzer, before I mentioned Chris Weitzer, my best friend, uh, he colored it and it looks great. And it's like, man, I'm so pleased with this book because the rhythm of it and the pacing of it and the character stuff, the beats, like it, it feels, it has the the rhythm that I want my stories to have as an experience. Um, and I read the other stuff, like I read Assassination or I read uh, Rackney Mountain Lasso. It's like you can tell, like I'm trying to I'm trying to work these 20 pages, you know. To me, when I read them, mm-hmm. I can I can see I can see like I'm trying to work these 20 pages. I don't feel that way about Rick and Morty because again, it's one and dones. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to tell a full story. Um, so I yeah I think I think it would have been. I don't know if assassination would have, actually I take that back because you know what with assassination I me and Erica knew we were going to do a series and I really thought of it episodically. Uh, and Rocketing Mountain was the same way like clearly it's episodic. Um, because like, oh, now it's time for the bar fight issue. Now it's time for the prison break issue. Uh, and it's as just saying, but I wish that I could have had 30 page comics instead of 20. I think it would have been a better, it would have been better. And I'm, I think it's very good. Assassination's very good. Uh, it's very funny. Eric Anderson's maybe the best artist working in comics today. Uh, yeah. But man, and I think probably that's true of anyone who's working in comics. Like, man, what if you could have, I, I just ask. What if you could have 30 pages instead of 20? Would you be happier? And that's not just a money issue. I mean, obviously, the money is uh, 10 pages better. But it's just like, man, you, to have room to let your story sort of breathe. Um, but I think a lot of people, they their craft is aimed towards telling 20-page stories or 24-page stories. And mine has been 120-page stories that I'm trying mm-hmm. to adjust. I prefer trades. I should start doing just young adult books. I should just start doing books for children. But I can't because I love I love the F word and I love immense violence. I mean, you could still do it. You just see who your market is at that point, I guess. I don't know if babies like the F word. Uh, yeah, I, I guess don't know. I don't know if twelve year old girls like the F word. I mean, they probably do. I I know some who do, but not in the same way. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Um, so do you feel like? So I guess kind of elaborating on this question, do you feel like the current comics industry is leaning toward more towards like writing for the trade and using singles as promotional pieces or do you feel like will you we'll see singles going into the far future as the main way of writing i mean i it, comics are so complicated right? i mean the reason what the the popular like why do they keep rebooting it they keep rebooting it because people will buy number one and they'll buy that first trade they'll buy the the new trade but they're like no one's buying you know so rick uh i can talk rick and morty ended at 60 right mm-hmm. uh rick and morty mm-hmm. as as a monthly issue was selling as well at 60 as it was at 30 so it's like why cancel it here's why because people were buying the new trades less and less and less people didn't understand that you can buy rick and morty volume 9 if you don't have rick and morty volume 1 through 8 but they they don't understand it so the trade sales were going down and trade sales are, it's a $20 product versus a $4 product. Like it's a big difference in the book market. You know, Barnes and Nobles is selling more Rick and Morty's. I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing. 
probably are selling more Rick and Morty books than comic stores for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, bet it's, I bet it's real close. Because that's the thing that people walk by and they go, oh, I know that thing. You know, I recognize mm-hmm. this thing. I'm going to buy it because I like this thing. Whereas if you go to a comic store, you're probably specifically looking for something. Um, I don't know, man. You know, it's, there's the comic industry is like a there's a lot of conversations. Why isn't digital doing better? Why isn't people why aren't people trying to make digital do better? Um, and you know, I just I just read a great article from uh, Sketched. Uh, uh, Sketched is sort of an online magazine about webtoons and you know how well webtoons is doing. Of course, webtoons is free. That plays a lot into it, but it's also a different market. It's the market that comic book stores don't apply to. So like, why is webtoons so successful when you know Marvel and DC can't and aren't willing? It seems like to do digital at a different price or to try to even market digital. Like digital is a whole resource. Why could why wasn't there like a download code at the end of Infinity Wars or whatever for one free mm-hmm. comic? There's a lot of questions. Comics are interesting. I think. I I think the the in terms of people who are buying floppies, who are buying single issues, those. People, there's not enough of the people trying new things, um, but I'm trying to say it in a way that doesn't, it's not a new thing. Like let's say let's say there's 42 guys that are buying floppies, right? There's always been 42. There's always 42 guys mm-hmm. buying floppies. 30 years ago, there was only 20 books, right? So uh-huh. 40 of them are probably buying everything for the most part, right? But now mm-hmm. there's 30 books a week. So there's there's so much stuff out there. It's like, how do these 42 guys, which is probably less now because three of them died from old age, how do these 39 <laughs> guys decide what they pick? Well, maybe they buy they go buy all the number ones because if it's good, then it's good. It used to be those guys would also buy the first trade of an image book because they were $10, right? Mm-hmm. All 30 read the first book because it was an image number one and everyone bought image number ones. Um, so it's complicated because while the people who who would like this are going are not going into bookstores they are going to webtoons they are going into barnes and nobles or whomever uh, i assume there's more than one bookstore but i live in a small town there's only one bookstore here uh <laughs> and it's barnes and nobles that's the only racket in town if you want a book if you want a book you're either going to the library and you don't get to keep that sir or you're going to barnes and nobles and that's your only choice uh, is that they'll go in there and they'll look through the comic section i'm sure um there's a lot of things like why isn't there more comics journalism why isn't there like i mean i know there's, there's like five sites but like, where's it's it? Where's the promotion? There's no promotion value. Comics are very complicated. Uh, and if you write Spider-Man, people just yell at you all day on the internet too, which is buck wild. Like it's a weird, it's a weird industry. And I'm not sure. I I wish, you know, like Matt Fraction's doing like these three 40-page trades, the November series. Like mm-hmm. I I I wish that I had the cachet that I could be like I'm just gonna do trades. I'm just gonna do two books a year two 150-page books a year or whatever, or uh, and that'll be it. And people will be like, that's dope. That's what we want. But it's just that's not how it works for me. And I need the promotion and I need the income and probably like the five months of some site posting just the previews right up and, you know, a two-page preview and being like, oh, this sounds like fun. This is funny. Um, to promote that book sale, uh, it's complicated. It's complicated for everybody. That's kind of an answer, right? Where I danced around a lot. No, it's it's interesting to me because as someone that I've been reading comics for a long time, it feels like as a consumer, I have to like more actively seek out things than any other product, you know? Like I log onto the internet and I feel like you can only go I'm, you can only go one place to get them also. 
right? Like you can only go to your LCS. That's the only place that has it. Yeah, or like, you're you're waiting to trade by on Amazon or wherever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a weird industry. Yeah, you it can was. You get it one place, and there's no way to know what to get. No, and you just kind of have to go by a gut feeling, pre-ordering it three months in advance based yeah, on a cover and some names attached other, to it. But that's a whole other thing. If you want to see, <laughs> if you want to see publishers and comic creators get like very awkward and quiet, like just keep bringing up Diamond over and over. Uh, because it's a weird deal. Is that's I mean that's so look at me. So I'm Kyle Starks. I have, I have two Eisner nominees. I wrote on a, t- a, a great selling book that no one cared about. So I get no benefit from Rick and Morty being good for you know four years uh, mm-hmm. because it's a licensed book that no one really read. Uh, mostly they collected or they got they bought it when they were high and forgot about it. Uh, so like my things are like oh well what about you know everything I've done has been optioned though nothing's came with any of them. Um, you know, uh, there are publishers that like me and left to work with me every time, but I'm selling, I'm not selling that many. And I've been doing this professionally for a few years and I've had some, some degree of cachet. Uh, but like, there's no reason for someone who doesn't know me is going to ever just take a risk on me. Mm-hmm. Unless that's the thing for people like me, it's entirely word of mouth. Well, when I worked at a comic book store in 1995, when I worked at a comic book store in 1995, one, when you did Bagging Night, like, you'd kind of read everything. There wasn't as many books, again, to be fair. But you'd read, like, a bunch of stuff because you're hanging around bagging boards and comics all night, you know? And then the next day when someone came in, you'd be like, oh, man, if you like that, you'd like this. And those guys would kind of stand around the back where all the comics were, which was two racks, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, two, long, two long racks. And and you could see – you'd always see these guys are talking to each other, too. Like, hey, what are you, uh, what are you reading? Like, is that the new Doctor Strange or whatever? Uh, is it any good? Like these guys would talk about things. There was a community, and like now I guess the community is Twitter, which again is basically people just telling you know Donny Cates like he's ruining Venom <laughs> nonstop, right? Like that's all yeah. it is. Um, and it's like, well, that's not the community you want. Like there's no community there. It's just it's just people really embracing anonymity. I can't say that word right. Anonymity. Whatever. Anonymity. Yeah. Anonymity. That's it. I think I did it right the first time. It's like they're just embracing that, that they get to say whatever they want to whomever they want, and you know no one will punch them if they say something they don't like. It's weird because like that's what we need, and I, it's like that's what com- comics needs. That comics and also American politics needs like an actual like reliable source for information, mm-hmm. like someone who's going to say like this is objectively good and this is objectively bad, rather than just printing out like I said, you know, the previous synopsis so it's not defending the publisher. It's weird because like. I mean, like, if something new, like, who's recommending something? It's like music, right? It's actually like music post-Apple Music or whatever in, whatever, 2001. When it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they're, you know, you're not going to the record store anymore because they're basically all gone. So how do you find new music? Well, hopefully your friend who's spending tons of time doing this, your dude who's, like, who's like checking out what the new releases are each week to see if they – like, that one guy is the one you're relying on, and you're hoping that his sensibilities line up with yours. It's one guy, right? It's one guy now. We're mm-hmm. used to be like a community uh, that we don't really have, which is too bad. I mean, I think it's still there, but you didn't have to find sort of your sub-community, right? Yeah. It's very complicated. Uh, that's why I like this. Like, this is like why, like, this is why let's do a podcast because I get to talk about my work and maybe someone thinks I'm, I, I'm, I'm seemingly funny enough or charming enough or enough worth their time that they'll try one of my books, uh, Sex Castle, Rock Candy Mountain. I highly recommend uh, and if you like those, you like all of my stuff. And that's like, then it's like, well, now I'm a movie director. 
now hopefully I'm Wes Anderson, whereas, okay, I'm not making billions of dollars, but I I'm, have this sort of growing group of people who go, oh, I know what I'm going to get. I always enjoy those. I like that guy's work. Um, mm-hmm. That's what you sort of hope for, which is a weird sort of grassroots thing as opposed to someone, the world saying, oh, this was this was a Kyle Starks solid seven. <laughs> Yeah, you, you might not rem- you might not remember it ten years from now, but it's a good time. Like if you want a good time, it's worth twenty bucks. That's what you need. Uh, that's what you not hope for. I mean, you want the billion dollars, but it's like it's just weird that that community is gone to sort of make that search easier. Like I always like I always check out every Eisner nominee, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that I do. Does everyone who read comics do that? Pro- probably not. Like it's a, or of those 42 guys, you know how many are like, let's check out the Eisner stuff. Probably like five, which is weird. Yeah. So it's like even the Eisner, like you get an Eisner thing. So what you're really hoping for is like Newsarama announces that your book's been optioned, though nowadays everything's optioned. So even that bump's not even worth anything. Um, it's interesting. Comics are really interesting all the time in a myriad of different ways. Fast, maybe fascinating, more fascinating than interesting. Uh, how does that even like how does any of this work what yeah it's point a to point how do how do like i'm jeff lemire before he ever did dc right like that's my hope is like i have i have people who love the way that i tell a story what's like how do i become jeff lemire now i don't know i mean i i'm trying i'm working on it i don't know i don't there's no steps there's no stages there's no like well you're a rookie and now you need to get in the all-star game and then once you get in the all-star game then you get to the championship like there's no there's no there's no order or path, which is sort of amazing and great, but also super frustrating when I make my books not in a vacuum. I make them to be read uh, and mm-hmm. to entertain people and to make people laugh, to have fun with comics, because I don't think I think they should be fun. And I don't think a lot of people are trying to make them fun, fun. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just rambling, brother. No, it's. I like that comparison to like the Wes Anderson film because I mean that's how I came to your books. I was listening to a comics podcast where they were talking about assassination and I thought, huh, that sounds interesting. I read that, liked it, figured I wanted to read more of your stuff, and it's grown from there, right, to where I've read most of your things. And it's just interesting that that's the way I had to come to it, right? It wasn't, oh, he has two Eisner nominations. It was exactly what you're saying, word of mouth from people I trusted. This podcast I've listened to for years is what ended up getting me to read your books, and so yeah, it's it's a tricky place. It's super weird, and I there's a lot of I, there's uh, I'm not gonna name other podcasts, but there's two other podcasts. It's, it's not unusual. I do a bunch of shows too because I also think if I'm out here pitching my things, right? If I'm out here interacting with the people, I'm not sure they just want Rick and Morty stuff. Uh, <laughs> but there's a couple podcasts like, hey, I heard about you on Blank, and it's like, you know what? That's why we do this because like I said, there's not a people there's not a source for people to go to. Um, it's not even like, you know, you'd be like, man, I, I really want to read certain articles by certain people in like this magazine, like you'd read the magazine just for one article. And then like, I'll see what this guy says. It's just, it's, and that's the internet and the, you know, the way we interact is changing and the way we consume things is changing and no one's figured it out. But yeah, I'm, like, I'm really, I, I'm really reliant on word of mouth and people going, this guy's work is good and it's worth your time and it's valuable. And because of that, you have to have actual fans. Like you had to make something that's fan worthy. It's really interesting because, you know, I have like for me, I've always been I've always been the type of person like if, if I saw a movie and I liked it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to find another movie that that director did. 
Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll see who the writers were on it because I had that access. Like now you can see who like the head writer was on something and I'll check it out. And it's interesting how there's like a weird like sometimes that is very much promotion. Like this is the new um, this is the new Dan Harmon project. Right. And you're like, oh, shit, we love Dan Harmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to check that out. But other times, you know, it's like the guy who did uh, I'm going to I'm unprepared for this line of argument. Um there's someone I really like that no one cares about. There's a bunch of dudes that are making a million things and they're all good, but no one's promoting them by the name of that. Like if, if Penn Ward, the guy who did Adventure Time, like did another thing today, mm-hmm. would they be like uh, Penn Ward's new thing? Probably not, right? They might be like from the guy who made Adventure Time. Maybe, probably, I guess they would. It was kind of a hit sensation. But yeah, the way it's interesting to me and I, I wish I knew the secret. I think all you can do is make good work um, which is the advice I, you know, what worked for me to get started in the first place is make good work and put it out there and, and talk about it. Uh, but man, comics are hard. It's, it's just because it, you need everyone who's read it to talk about it also and to recommend it now. And it's like, man, woof, that's tough. Yeah. And there are just different kinds of success in comics as well, which I'm sure you're more familiar with than I am. But where you've got like the Brian K. Vaughn model where you get a name for yourself doing some marvel books and then you decide don't want to do any of that i'm just going to make my creator own stuff that i can do whatever i want with and you amass a massive audience that way or you can be like the brian k vaughn i mean the brian michael bendis model where you do big name books forever forever. you do superhero stuff forever and you're always going to have a job people are always going to know your name but i kind of feel like it's the opposite where people seem to be like they like him for his first six issues and then people just start to complain about him on the internet, you know, and you just have yeah, to decide I, your model. Like, do I? I... The internet now. Yeah, I think they mad all the time, no matter what. All yeah, the time, nothing. they're mad. these these big two characters. They're very mad all the time. No one's happy, and if they are, they they don't say it. Uh, no one ever. It seems like the especially the internet. There's very little of man, that was awesome. <laughs> there's very little just like positive reinforcement. So like that's probably it's just like whenever someone's talking like when they're complaining about their their uh, significant other and you're like man it sounds rough over there it's like yeah that's because you're not having conversations about all the nice times like that's not they don't need to get that off their chest to you <laughs> yeah. so i'm sure those relationships are great but you only ever hear the bad part it's like that's where comics are right now it's like we only ever hear i feel like we only ever hear the bad stuff but i also think you know the an interesting thing about comics is you know that that ladder if you don't do big two books for a bit it's very hard to have sales cred uh it's super hard to like the guys who have done one or two purely creator owned things and made a lot of money and kind of didn't do anything else is very rare and the number of people who have done that and never did um big two work before is super small it's it's like uh brian lee o'malley jeff smith Raina teljemeyer and you know that's like it yeah um and it, there's something about in comics is like you have to write daredevil for three years for people to care and i i i i both don't understand that and i do understand it because with creative pursuits everything's about being legitimized and validated and you're you receive that validation not from a hundred people reading it and saying it's good but from three very important people telling a hundred people it's good and so you writing for marvel or dc and not messing it up and maybe hopefully even doing great work, people go, oh, he's for real. 
that's what happened. That's literally what happened with Lemire. Like, is that Lemire wrote a bunch of really great indie books. He did, uh, he did a Vertigo book, uh, still indie, but then he, he came in on DC 52 and he wrote a bunch of stuff that no one I think actually remembers or cares about, but retroactively and after it's like, he's legitimate. Like all these things are worth their time now because he wrote Swamp Thing for two years. It's a weird, I, I don't, again, that's a generalization and it's maybe me being salty, uh, in 2020. <laughs> Uh, but it feels like that's what you have to do is that if you don't do that run of some kind at Marvel or DC, then you're either you have to make bone. Good luck with that. Um, you know, like good luck making yeah. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, yeah. uh, are you you kind of you're me where it's like I, I at this stage, I don't want to write Deadpool I don't love Deadpool. I don't have Deadpool stories. I have Kyle Stark stories. Uh, and you're, I just want to tell the stories I tell. And I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I guess eventually a movie gets made and then I'll be validated that way. Though, you know, Charles Foreman, Charles Foreman, who has two great shows on Netflix, uh, doesn't have lines at conventions anymore. Like he doesn't have, you know, 50 people waiting to talk to him. So it's like, even then you don't know, like, which is unfortunate because I don't know if you've seen into the fucking world is really good. The book is really good. Charles Foreman's very talented. Uh, I have not seen the new one, but I hear it's really good, and I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. So, so even if you do, like you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have acquired the as much as Jim Starlin has in the last like five years. Jim Starlin's brilliant, by the way, but I saw him at cons eight years ago, and he was not you know the special guest like he is now. He made yeah. Thanos. I don't know if you knew that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. Like, you know, Jim Starlin, like, who's brilliant. Like, it deserves, I mean, I, I don't know if he's a nice guy or not. I can't speak for that. But his work's very good. And he definitely mm-hmm. made Thanos, I guess. But it's like, you know, literally eight years ago, he he was one of the bigger names. But he wasn't like it is. Now he's like a star attraction. And it's like, well, I guess you just have to have something happen to validate you, which is true. That's with everything. It's with music, too. It's it's Someone has to be like, hey, man, check out this song a lot of the times, right? Mm-hmm. This is one song, and he was right there, and you're like, ah, the rest of the album's not good. Or you go, oh, this album's real good. And then you guys talk about it. And then you go see him in concert. Uh, so I guess that's me. I'm just hoping someone's like, hey, that's a good song. Do you feel like, as someone that worked on a lot of license, at, on a very big license book with Rick and Morty, do you feel like that has the ability to jumpstart a career in the same way that the big two do? And if not, why not? I, I don't think so. Because I can't think of anyone who's done it. Um, yeah. I, licensed books are the redheaded stepchild of comics. Uh, Rick and Morty, you know, Rick and Morty, since I've been on it, became literally the most popular thing in the world. It's great for me at comic conventions. Uh, that's why I get brought out to comic conventions. That's why I'm, you know, I've got I get hotels, blah blah blah. I make a lot of money at those shows because of Rick and Morty. But I've been doing, I do about, let's say I do 30 shows a year, which I average. On average, I do like 28 or something like that. For the last three years, doing 28 shows a year, talking to hundreds of people every day, right? I think something like 10 times has someone said something from one of my comics. 10 times in three years with, I can't even do the math, you know, like 80,000 people having been met or whatever the math is. Someone's checking the math uh-huh. right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. I said I'm bad at it. So it's like, why? <laughs> people don't read that book. You know, it had a lot of, it had a lot of variant covers and they were real smart about that. It was very collectible. It sells a lot. But I, people like license unless I there's differences, you know, like having like I, I, whoever's doing the Star Wars comics, like who was it like Jason Aaron and Charles Soule? Like uh-huh. those guys are those guys are already good. 
Like those guys don't need the bump of Star Wars. Uh, but I don't think so. Like I, I think like what? Who's the other? What's the? I don't know. Maybe Ryan North did Adventure Time comics, and then mm-hmm. he got Squirrel Girl. But like he's not even doing comics outside. Really? Like he did Jughead, I think. Like that dude's doing his own thing, and he's kind of just doing the other stuff because I think he wanted to. Evan Dorkin did Bill and Ted back in the '90s, which was one of my all-time favorites. Um, but you know, I knew I knew who Evan Dorkin was before then. Like, did that make him bigger? I don't know. Is Evan Dorkin big? I, I wish he was. I, I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think of people who had like notable runs that, and there's probably some guy, some '80s guy who I don't know. I just don't think so. I think they're like licensed books are redhead stepchild. They exist, and people know why they exist is so that that franchise can make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, I'm I'm really proud of my 38 issues or whatever it is that I did of Rick and Morty. I think if you're a Rick and Morty fan, it's more of that content um, that you wanted. That's because that's what I wanted. I wanted more Rick and Morty stories, and I I got positioned to do it. But I don't think so. I think if I don't man, I don't know. Maybe as an artist. As a writer, I don't think anyone cares. Yeah. I know uh, that uh, like Daniel Warren Johnson did like a uh, like a little Star Wars zine that he would kind of hand out around at shows, and like Daniel Warren Johnson's really good, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you knew this. Daniel Warren Johnson's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would he did have like to a little Star Wars zine uh, called like it's, it's, I think it's I've never saw it, but a lot of the fact that it was Star Wars people paid it a little more attention probably than just some some new IP. And like that's, mm-hmm. you know, once you're good and people see you're good, he had the webcomic going on at the same time too that no one paid attention to, even though it's really good. He did a book with Donnie Cates like 15 years ago. Can you imagine if you could get Cates and Dana Warren Johnson on a book today? It'd be really yeah, that'd, good. That'd be real good. It'd be real yeah. good. Just throw that one out into the universe a few more times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I, you know, it's funny because I, when I did my when I did Assassination, they actually promoted me as quote writer of Sales Beast Rick and Morty unquote and it's like that's nice but i i do have two image books that you could, like i do have two image books guys you could have thrown those in there uh but it's like i get it it's because it sells a lot but it doesn't sell because people care about what the content is they only care about what the product is unfortunately yeah and this is all really interesting interesting to me i don't know if this is a fulfilling conversation for you but i love it i love I have these talks all the time at every convention every and i love having i love talking like i'm being careful i have to be more careful if you come to me at a show I will talk some trash about <laughs> about everything um, because it's but as you know you don't want to think no but I love it like the industry is fascinating and my experience with this industry is different than Erica's our mm-hmm. Schweitzers are I'm trying to think of you know Donnie's like geez like look at Donnie like Donnie the same like Donnie wrote a bunch of Dark Horse books that no one read um, then he almost died and then he which means he sold his soul we all know the truth and then yeah. everything he wrote after that is magic. That dude like worked in the salt mines for a long time. It's everyone's everyone's path is different. Everyone's interactions different. I'm sure the, his opinion. I I remember talking. I was at a show in New Orleans a couple of years ago, and I was talking about digital comics, and I still feel the same way. I feel like digital comics are an untapped resource by mainstream comic publishing. That either they just it's it's so hard for these companies to change. Like if, if that's it, or if they think it's I don't know. But I was having this discussion. It's like this is a missed opportunity because the people who went saw Infinity Wars and is that the name of it? Infinity War, right? They went yeah. saw Infinity War and they liked it. Everyone, those people are not like, man, I got to get 24 pages of paper in my hands. They're just not. But wouldn't those people 
wouldn't those people pay a dollar maybe like for a cold book? I bet they would. Or why are there subscriptions? All yeah. these questions, right? I was having this thing and I was talking about digital comics and there was like a vet who was like, just telling me how wrong I was because digital comics, you know, not working. I can't remember that this is like, man, it's just like that guy, this guy's experience who's worked for big two for the last 20 years, his, his view of the industry is completely different than mine. Which is going to be the same for just about everybody. Though I think we all really know that digital comics are an untapped resource for the big two. We can all agree. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I even just so I recently made the switch over to digital from paper, just for a multitude of reasons. And something I didn't even think about going back to an earlier conversation we had was like solicitations weren't there anymore. And so <laughs> I was like, how on earth am I going to know what's coming out? Like I've got to go actually seek it out and find it, which sounds super lazy but like if you want to sell to a consumer like i feel like i'm a pretty proactive consumer if i'm someone that's like man how am i going to do this like nobody's yeah. going to find it right there's no like, there's no there's no hub for that there's no. no hub for that you that's the thing that's like there's no place you can just go and be like oh like here's i mean preview magazine have you looked at it god bless but there's there's no centralized information that you can just go and be like, what do I, what should I read? It's crazy. We, you know, each publisher is sort of different. I'm going to belch, I think. <laughs> I hope you didn't hear that. It's very quiet. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> people are like, oh, you know, uh, here's, here's what I like about this publisher. Here's what I hate about that publisher. Here's what, what about this publisher? It's like, oh, well, you hate this completely different thing, right? They're, each one's different, like for what you love and what you don't like. And I, I was working with, I'm sure Image, I can't remember who it was. I was working with some publisher and people were like, gosh, but they don't really do any uh, uh, any promotion, right? And it's like, well, what what would you what would they do? Like, here's your here's where the promotion is. It's in previews, and that's it. There's no TV commercial. <laughs> like, there's no place to do promotion. There's you. Do you think they're going to take out a commercial on television for you know Paper Girls? They're not going to do that. There's no yeah. promotion. There, at, all you can do is hope someone in the store says something nice, which there's no way to make them do that. Like, I guess you could send them a poster. I guess you could send a poster to a comic book store. It's like, there's there's no promotion. There isn't any. Matt Rosenberg was talking a while back. It's like, we're the promotion. Like, yeah. I, I promote my own stuff. Well, I promote myself to my, I, I might be at 5,000, hopefully, real soon. My 5,000 Twitter followers. I promote to my 5,000 Twitter followers who have been my fans forever. And that's all that hears it. And when they retweet it, it's probably to the same people. So it's like there's not even a place that I can promote to a larger audience. What I have to hope for is I get Erica Henderson, who has 13,000 followers, and I do a book with her, and it's good enough that they care, that some of them care that maybe they come over into my Venn diagram circle too. There's no promotion. Like there's no way to promote anything. It doesn't even exist. Like how does that industry work? How do you have an industry where yeah. you can't even really promote anything except for in two places and everyone's promoting there already? It's crazy. That's my dog, if you can hear in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. That's why it's like, all you can do is be like, I, I'm Wes Anderson, right? Hopefully the next book, the next book's bid. But you know what my thing is like, my hope is is less made. I hope I get a lot more people on this next book. It's that I hope the people who read Assassination liked it, read Sex Castle, which was my first Hitman book, you know, which made my career, are the mm -hmm. people who read Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain, which I think are the two purest Kyle Starks books that those people read Mars Attacks. Why would they read Mars Attacks? The people who wrote the hobo action kung fu book 
aren't like, man, I love Mars Attacks. Maybe I bet it's a small Venn diagram. But your hope is, is like, hey, you guys like my work. Like I'm doing this other thing. I you should read it. So it's like you, you hope that each time they read the other stuff also, right? Uh, yeah. Another thing, man, I hope people read Mar- Assassination and they go, this is this. I like these characters. They're funny. It's violent. It's an interesting premise. Uh, what else does this guy have? Because that's what you would have done. I look. I saw Bottle Rocket first, but if I saw Rush, no, I didn't. No, I did. I saw Battle Rocket first. I, I wish I could think of a better example than to keep going to Wes Anderson. But like, let's say you just watched um, like Budapest Hotel, right? Mm-hmm. You're not gonna go watch Rushmore and like uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Like, what a missed opportunity! <laughs> How sad would that be if you didn't read those other books by this guy whose stuff you like? Uh, that's kind of what I think. I feel like in comics, like for people who are me, are are hoping for is like, man, if I can get. 2000, because I sold a lot more Assassination than anything else, I'm sure, because it's Skybound and it's Eric Anderson. Like, man, if I could get 20% of those readers to read Rock Candy Mountain, that's what I, that would be great. Because I've made other good stuff and I want people to read all my good stuff, not just the one thing. Um, and then if they read that, they'll tell someone else. They'll be like, man. And then maybe I'm at 2,500 people have read Rock Candy Mountain that hadn't read it before. And that's the, that's the game, man. And it's kind of sucks, but it's how I want to tell stories too. So I, it is what it is. And I'm just going to keep trying to make good stuff. And eventually everyone will n- notice. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I don't have the solution by any means. There's, there's that one. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep making things that I think are good and fun and put them out in the world and hope people ingest them. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I've had you on for a while now. Are there things that you want to talk about? You mentioned a new a new project that you're working on. Is that something that you want to plug now, or is that something that's still oh, kind of yeah. secret? And well, I just no, no. I just I just finished uh, a Kickstarter for Old Head, which is my newest book. Um, okay. I have pre-orders on my store because uh, it hasn't gone to print yet. Uh, let me get All my right. address. Who am I? Uh, dead air is the best air it's kyle starks that story old head which is my newest book it's about a ex-pro basketball player fighting dracula um it's real good i'm real proud of it um it'll probably be published someplace else in the next in 2021 probably but get it from me now when i can make money from so i have a pre-order for now it's very good if you liked assassination or sex castle or any mountain uh it's real good. You'll like it a lot. Um, otherwise, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm hustling for new work. Uh, Rick and Morty ended at 60. Uh, so buy all my things. They're real good. <laughs> yeah, I w- I'm going to add my voice to that. Buy all the things. We bought all the things, and we love all the things. So... Yeah, buy all the things. They're real good. They are. Real well, good. I think I've done pretty good. I would agree. I really... I guess we didn't end up talking a ton about your actual work. We ended up talking about the industry, but yeah, sorry. That was no, that was really fun about my work? for me. Um, I I love your work. I think it's okay. really great. Um, you said you don't get a lot of positive reinforcement on the internet, so I hope this serves as a little bit of positive reinforcement. Anytime there's a Kyle Starks name on a book, me and my roommates get excited and want to read it immediately. So you do have a little bit of a cult following. Yeah, I should have a book coming out later this year, too. I'm doing a new book with Chris Weitzer for Skybound uh, that he's about to start drawing. So presumably the end of the year. It'll be interesting. 
another little ensemble experiment. Hopefully. Awesome. Cool. I look forward to it. Um, thank you so much for chatting no, with thanks me. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for reading my stuff, man. Like, thanks for talking about it. Like, you know, which is the, for me, the overarching theme of this is that you dudes talking about it, like it's worth my time to come on here and talk to you about the things um, because you've made it worth your time to talk about my things. So yeah, thank Anytime. you. Um, Time you want me on, you let me know. All right, we will. Thank you so much, Kyle. All right, man. All right, see ya. Yeah, be good, bud. You too. Bye-bye.